it's okay to take the ideas of other people, not, not the finished product, but make it your own. Welcome to the Answers for Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Lalonde. I'm excited to bring you the best and brightest answers from leadership from around the world. Now let's get started. Today's guest on the Answers from Leadership Podcast is Adam Kirk Smith. Adam is an entrepreneur, life coach, consultant, and public speaker. His popular blog, asmithblog.com offers insights on leadership, bravery, and life purpose, among other topics. And he also has a new book, The Bravest You. Adam, what else would you like listeners to know about you? You know, I'd, I'd like to give them kind of the backstory to getting a book deal because it was uh, it was definitely full of, of trial and error. We talked about this in the, the pre-interview. But I want to go back to getting, you know, from getting a book deal to starting 10 years ago. Uh, for those out there that might have an aspiration to write a book or maybe start a business or, you know, whatever your goals are, that patience is so key in the journey. So go back 10 years. I started uh, blogging on Zanga, which is a, uh, an old platform. Some of you may have heard of that. Uh, some of you probably have not, but there I had 10 readers because it was a, just a normal daily, uh, happenings in my life type blog. It was more of a live journal and, uh, you know, five to seven of those people were in my family. So three of those were just strangers checking it out. And that's 10 people a month. Um, so, uh, you know, it went from there to me feeling like, you know, I'm doing all this writing. I want more direction. So let's do something else. So I started Tumblr, um, which is another platform. And I had probably a hundred readers a month on there after a year or so of blogging about daily happenings, but attaching, uh, photos. But there was more of a, uh, community on Tumblr. Um, so I was able to build up to a hundred or so there. And then even still, I felt like, well, I want to grow this into something more because inside myself, it was, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur at that point, uh, about 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there, uh, wanted to, uh, you know, wanted to start a business and wanted to write about my journey on the way there at that point. Uh, so I started blogging about business and more of a self-help and tying my journey to that as well. And so that grew to, you know, 5,000 readers after three years or so and then um, two years or so, two more years, I should say. 20 or 30,000 and saw this direction taking where more and more people were looking. And so my advice to anyone uh, out there that's starting a blog or starting a business or starting writing is they may just know me now from my book deal. You know, this, this book has opened up a bunch of opportunities to do a bunch of interviews and a lot of people have never heard of me and, and that's great. 
but it took 10 years to, of writing and perseverance and doing it because I was passionate about it and fun. It was so much fun and I didn't care that people weren't looking, um, you know, to persevere with that to get to where I'm at today. And then the second thing, uh, people should know is this is not my first book idea. And so that's probably, uh, news to you too. We haven't talked about that in the pre-interview. Uh, this is actually my second book idea. Uh, so my first book idea, I was able to find an agent with because it was decent, but it wasn't edited very much. So we submitted it to, I would say probably about a hundred different publishers and it rejected by everyone. And so we started with big publishers. Now the bravest you is being published by Penguin Random House, the biggest publisher, um, you know, in, in the world. But, uh, that first, uh, book idea was rejected by them, not only, but these really small publishers too. And that might be self-published someday. There's nothing wrong with self-publishing. Um, I just knew that I wanted to be traditionally published. So that's what I kept pursuing. And so I tabled that first book idea and the second book idea I pursued, um, pretty hard. In fact, since my first book idea was turned down, uh, with my second, I, uh, actually hired an editor to help me who used to work for Penguin Random House. And she knew what Penguin and others of the like were, were looking for. So I, her help really helped me, um, get in the door as well. And so, you know, to wrap that up into one statement, uh, my blogging journey, my book journey, it, it takes perseverance. It, it takes passion, which we'll get to here in a little bit. And, uh, it takes, you know, sticking with what you love and knowing yourself and knowing your, your spot in the world and how you can influence other people. And, and, you know, and, and bring value to the world. That, that's awesome. I love how you, how you talked a little bit about early beginnings, no blog audience, then a meager blog audience, and now what it is. You know, so many of us just think that it, it all happens at once. And it doesn't. It's yeah. been this long, slow journey for you, it seems. Right. And I mean, you know, I think the reason is that, um, so many people shoot for perfection at first, and if it's not perfect, then they move on to the next thing. And that's why passion and doing what you love is so important. Like uh, going back to, you know, I, I, I write about this in the book uh, a little bit, but feeding an ego. Uh, a lot of people do what they do to feed an ego and to create these Instagram lives and to say, hey, everybody, look at what I'm doing. And uh, I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say there was a time in my life where that that was uh, because, you know, that initial success, uh, going from no success to success it is a hard thing for anyone to handle, uh, I believe. And so... Uh, at a point in there, I just gave you the 10 year snapshot that doesn't show the, uh, you know, late night staying up to write early morning, staying up to write, um, you know, building followings online, um, uh, the different conversations over the 10 years, 
but getting to that success point of about you know fifteen to twenty thousand people reading the blog, um, it, it uh, you know there became a point where there was ego tied to it. Look at me, but what I did is I noticed it and it felt good and stayed there for a little bit, but realized, you know what, I need to step away from this. So there were, there were times along the journey. I stepped away at one point for one month. I stepped away at one point for three months. And then it came where I stepped away from social media for an entire year because, uh, because I knew in, in my heart that, uh, there was more, I, I had lost the love and I was doing it just to, not only to, to keep an audience going, but for a look at me point. And, and that, it's so important for people to be honest with themselves. You know, it, people will say one thing, you know, I'm selfless and, and leadership is serving, but their actions and their heart and, and their feelings and their attitude doesn't match up to it. And so, um, I was in my twenties at that point and, and, um, you know, in your twenties, you, success in your twenties is hard to handle. Um, but, uh, the, uh, the ego too, because I noticed it and I noticed that it's a bad thing. I think a lot of people don't qualify it as a bad thing in this day and age, especially online. At least people come across as, as that. And maybe that we were talking about in the pre-interview too. Like I hate selling things. Um, and you know, I'd rather it come up in, in, um, natural conversation, but now tying a publisher to this book, I, you know, I'm expected to sell copies of books to get another chance. I want to write another book. And so, uh, I think people respect that too. Maybe that's why people have, have, you know, followed me as well. I, I very rarely try to push my consulting and life coaching services because, um, one, I don't have to, uh, you know, I have another business. Um, but two, I just would rather add value to people. The other part of that is too, though, I spent three years writing this book. I, I believe in it. I, I believe it's going to help people. And so, for me not to sell people a book, I think would be a disservice because I think it's really going to help people um, really find themselves, um, really find what journey they're supposed to be on and how they can be brave with that journey. Because the number one thing that holds leaders, people back is fear. And so that's really why I had to, to write this book um, because I really wanted to help people get out of that. And that's why this book had to be number one. This, this is not going to be my only book. And, and that was hard with the writing process too. I felt like at one point I had like six different books going on in one book because I felt like this has to be the book. You know, you want to hand people one book and, you know, they're just going to know everything. But I had, Writing is a lot of editing, and so I edited it probably 30 times, and my editor edited it, you know, three or four times, and so we came up with, with what the bravest you is now. But I want people to get that. Like, if, if you don't have courage, then 
nothing else that I write in the future is going to make sense. You're not going to be able to uh, take any leadership lessons and apply them because you're going to just hold on to them inside yourself and you're never going to impact other people. And so um, that is where the bravest you really came from because I was a, I was a fearful child growing up and, um, and wrestling with that fear and, um, being able to break out of my shell. I wanted people who, um, who not only don't feel brave, but could be more courageous in their endeavors than they currently are. It's, it's just so important. You know, in, in our pre-interview chat, we talked a little bit about your past, um, some of the things you've gone through, um, some of your leadership positions. Like you said, you worked with Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Um, one of your businesses has been a shoe business, which my wife would absolutely fawn over because she's a shoe. <laughs> um, you know, in, in, in all these leadership positions, how would you define leadership? I would define leadership be this way because of studying leadership and pointing out the great leaders in history that speak to me it would be it would be going first so other people can follow and the great leaders i remember are the leaders who went first to influence other people to follow and tying a deep conviction to doing what is right to that and so every leader that you go back through history had a deep conviction of doing what was right to them in that moment and going first so they could influence people to follow. You know, John Maxwell's leadership, uh, you know, it's influence, definition of leadership, it's influence, nothing more, nothing less is great. But uh, I, I think it's important to identify that as leaders, there's going to be a lot of risk involved and that's in going first. And so going first to influence other people to follow and then tying a deep conviction of doing what is right is so important. I don't think I've ever heard leadership put quite that way. Yeah. I, you know, I've been studying leadership as of late, um, a lot more, um, just because, um, you know, I, I want to be a great leader. I know listeners want to be great leaders. It's important to study leaders of the past, but the leaders who speak to me not only went first, I, you know, Martin Luther King really speaks to me um, because in adversity that I'll never understand, you know, um, he did what was right for other people. And not necessarily, you know, there were people before him who started that. Um, but to take the charge and to, and to do what was right, not only for himself, but for other people in the face of adversity, because of a deep conviction, not only to do what was right for himself, but for other people. And, and you can, I mean, you can apply that to so many, so many great leaders, um, whether it be generals, you know, in war, uh, leading the charge because doing what was right for their country or, or doing what was right for their people, um, they knew that they had to do it because it would not only influence them and the people around, but the future. 
And so these great leaders that people talk about, it's it's hard to gauge leadership in 2017 because they're not gone yet. And so the I want to be, and I know the people listening want to be great leaders of all time. They don't want to be great leaders in 2017. So to tell you the truth, you know, the Jeff Bezos, the uh, Elon Musk, the, um, I mean, Steve Jobs, he's, gone and we can we can already see some great influential things that he did so i would say he's a great leader um because he wanted to you know further along technology for for the future uh, but these great leaders that we're talking about it's really hard to gauge people that are alive now you know if we look 50 years from now and and we are are still pointed pointing to them then great um you know, the, the music icons of today. We'll, we'll be pointing to, uh, Justin Bieber and, um, you know, and Britney Spears, leaders in pop music now. Will we, you know, will they be as influential, influential as they are now, a hundred years from now? You know, I, I can't answer that. And so, um, when time does their person of the year, it's important to know that that's just the person of that year. But looking back, at um, at leaders of past a hundred years ago, who are those leaders that are still speaking to us? Um, I believe that a lot of them are tied a conviction to do what was right uh, in their day and age. Um, you know Henry Ford. You know those entrepreneurs in the beginning that were um, starting out. You know when nobody else was around doing what they were doing, the Wright brothers. You know, um, what compelled them to do what they did at a time when nobody else was doing it? And so, you know, I don't know, you know, personally, ego, talking about ego and feeding an ego. Um, you don't know. I don't, I'm not here to, to judge them from far off, but I have to say that many of them did it to improve quality of life, to, to do what was right for future generations to come. That's an interesting insight. You know, a lot of times we like to see things in the here and now. We're not willing to look back. Whereas, yeah. You know, today's leaders, there's there's the possibility people won't remember them in 10 years yet. Right. Yet, you know, true leadership stands the test of time. Yep, definitely. And so that's, that's why my definition of leadership is that way. Um, I think, you know, going back to patience, we'll just have to wait and see who who stands the test of time. But, you know, while you're here on Earth, do as much as you can to influence as many people. Do what is right. Um, use your convictions to know where you stand, where your place is in this world. Um, but, you know, self-awareness is a huge buzzword right now, but it's important for that reason. You, you have to know yourself and in the bravest you my book, there's a lot of exercises to help people um, find, you know, who they are. You know, talking about the Wright brothers, you know, owning an aviation company right now would be a huge feat, but it wouldn't be the Wright brothers because they were first. You know, some people would argue that there were people before the Wright brothers doing that. And, they, you know, they, they were the ones that were, uh, you know, that were publicized for doing it. But... You know, 
Thomas Edison. You know, a lot of ideas are built on. You know, Thomas Edison took the um, took much of the research and development from previous people and was the one who came up with the final light bulb. But he didn't have to start from fresh. You know, he took previous ideas and built on them. That's a huge thing that I believe in, you know, as leaders. It's okay to take the ideas of other people, not not the finished product, but make it your own. But take these final ideas and, and not start from scratch because, um, you know, time is valuable. As leaders know, it's so valuable. And so what... What uh, what truths, what principles do we know to remain true that are solid, that stand the test of time? Um, what are those principles that work time and time again instead of recreating the wheel? Because people, you know, I've been doing a lot of interviews for the book, and people are looking for this one golden nugget that's going to completely change their life. And their principles are principles for a reason. They've stood the time test of time for a reason it's because they work and so what a lot of people are missing they want this one idea one nugget of wisdom that's going to change their life and it's it's always going to be it's going to come back to work you've got to put in the work you've you know ideas are ideas and they're great and all but you have to go do something with it these leaders that we talk about uh, you know that we were a member and have stood the test of time. They can you imagine how much effort that Martin Luther King put in? Uh, my goodness, and, and standing up against death threats and, and 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 knowing doing what was right and facing adversity and pushing against it. And so um, I'm not going to compare Martin Luther King Jr. to anybody else. That's a thing in itself. You know, talking about the Wright brothers and Martin Luther King. That that's not. That's not an even comparison at all. Um, but just to give listeners examples, um, it's important to, uh, you know, to, to know who you are and to put in the work. And, and those two things together will really help you stand up against adversity and help you be your bravest self. It really will. In both those examples you just mentioned, the Wright brothers and Martin Luther King Jr. Those are two that just came to mind. I, you know, I'm just pulling that up out of a hat. But yeah, you know, I, I see those two kind of playing into you know the title of your book as well. You know, th- those people had to be brave. You know, Martin Luther King yeah. Jr. was standing up against racist, um, you know, racism, um, violent threats. The Wright brothers had to probably overcome their fear of falling and crashing to the ground in a untested airplane. That's a huge fear. Yeah. Yeah. That um, you're going to die. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, nothing I right. have done uh, like those two people are, you know, if you don't succeed, you are going to die, you know? And so, I mean, Martin Luther King eventually did, um, you know, for, for standing up and for what he believed in. But, uh, you know, it's this, you know, passion I define it in my book as this internal drive to succeed. And so those, you know, Martin Luther King's passion was probably tied a lot to, to living, you know, but, um, you know, these great leaders through history, and I'll just pull those two because, you know, those are two that come up into a lot of great leader conversations. 
I mean, number one on a lot of lists is is Jesus, but I'm not going to bring him up because, you know, none of us are trying to create religions. You know, we're 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 going back to people that are not Jesus Christ. You know, we're going back to Martin Luther King. We're going back to great leaders. Um, right, brothers. Now, I think it's important to look at Jesus's life and, and pull principles from his life and how we can live, you know. Um, but those people, you know, someone like Martin Luther King Jr., who was a Baptist minister, you know, uh, you know, and he was a person, you know, just like you and me. And he had he had his good days, he had his bad days. But just seeing how how can we tie our convictions of doing what's right in the face of adversity um, and going first? And, and that's really why I brought those two up. What role would you say bravery plays in leadership? If if people if people aren't courageous, kind of going back to our beginning talk, but if people aren't courageous, then leadership principles in the future that you gain it's just not going to happen. And so, if you don't have courage, if you don't have bravery, then you know I'm just going to be blunt. You're you're not going to be a leader. And so. Again, that's why this book had to be number one. Um, I really want people to understand that, um, you know, I'm going to take people on a journey with books. But, you know, the first one, the, the first stepping stone is bravery. And so, you know, looking back and writing, writing this book, I have a lot of older entrepreneurs, a lot of CEOs of companies who follow me. Uh, and maybe this book, wasn't written for them. It, you know, those people probably feel settled in life. Like they, you know, have been brave. I'm glad my publisher let me write this book. Um, but it, you know, the, the thing about it is that people are going to encounter fear, whether they're honest or not, they still experience fear at some point in their lifetime. It's, whether they're willing to admit that they experience fear, if they're going to pick up this book or not. Um, because I think a downfall of many leaders is thinking they have it all figured out. I'm a student of leadership. Um, I think we all are. And, and when we stop learning, is it, it's just a, a travesty, really. Um, there's no hope for growth at that point. So um, this book being number one, being courageous, it's the cornerstone for, for everything else. And so what this book does, not only did I come up with a bravery process, but also identify the top 10 fears that people face so that they can identify not only where they're at um, in this process, but um, they can identify what fears they're facing and use the process um, with the fear that they're experiencing. What are some of those common fears people face? The fear of failure is a huge one. Um, you know, the fear of uncertainty, um, the fear of the unknown, the fear of, uh, of getting hurt. You know, those are, those are some of the, the biggest fears I would say that, uh, that people face. That's what I've identified, um, as some of the top 10 fears that people face. And it's, you know, it, I'm not one that believes that someone can, can, can be, um, completely fearless. 
So I see this going around on Instagram, uh, you know, quote cards that people post and, and quotes that people post, you know, Twitter, Facebook, that people can be fearless. And so I believe in, in one or two different areas, you know, people can get really good and, but there will always be some level of nervousness in embarking on something new. And so my process is going to be one that people will need to revisit. People will need to be, I mean, it keeps coming back to people need to be honest with themselves, really honest with themselves. Um, it's so that they can combat the fears that they, you know, encounter so that they can move forward in their lives. And, uh, the process is important. You know, identifying what fears you're facing right now in this moment, not only in this moment, but seeing what you're going to uh, try to do in the future and go ahead and be proactive. Go ahead and see what fears um, that are going to come along with your future endeavors and start preparing for those things. Yeah, I know I've found fear to be a, a struggle in my life at times. So where, where do these type of fears come from or? These fears or doubts. Yeah, in, in general, I mean, a lot of these leadership fears that, uh, you know, people wanting to be a leader and wanting to go forward, move ahead, um, that self-doubt comes from a wrong perception of ourselves and too much of a uh, importance placed on what other people think of us. If I had to narrow it down, you know, the, my whole book talks about fear, but if I had to say where doubt comes from, those would be the two things, uh, you know, ourselves and then what other people think of us. A lot of times it's the fear of what other people think um, that plague our, um, you know, our steps. And we could go all the way back to, to going to school, you know, if, if listeners out there have gone to university, it was, you know, a lot of those fears were tied up into what mom and dad think or, or you know, or, you know, future employers. And, and I'm not I'm not dissing school at all. Um, but, uh, you know, school is important if that's what the future job that you want to go into demands, you know. Um, but. So there's that. What will other people think of us goes all the way back to that. And then, you know, maybe in your 20s, you were um, trying to pick what job that you thought would supply the biggest income. You know, that's what people do. And so you follow that. And maybe, you know, in your 30s, you're, you're, um, you know, settled into that, but you're 10 years in and, and your fear is leaving, uh, leaving that job that you've been with for 10 years now. And you, and you have no idea, um, how you got to where you're at and you're miserable. And so now your fear is the unknown and you're contemplating whether finding a new job or not. And, um, but you have a family now and, you know, stability is your number one priority and for good reason you have kids you have a wife and you have to make income and so your fear is tied up into necessities and so i think that again that was another important reason i brought up at first that you know 
blogging and book writing and such was a side job and coaching and consulting was a side job at first. And it's, it's grown into something that now is, you know, better income than, than what my other, you know, what my first source of income was, but it, it takes patience, you know, 10 years of, of putting in the work for myself, some many more years than that. And so, um, it's, it's important to remember that it's never too late to make a change, you know, for those people in your 18s in, you know, 18 to 25 right now is a huge moment in your life where you can, um, where you can make, you know, a lot of decisions based on your freedom. You know, if you don't have a family yet, some of you do. And, and you know, the reason why I don't like one size fits all advice is because people are coming from all different walks. Um, people are encountering different circumstances. You know, if you have a ton of debt, that's one thing. If you uh, have a family. That's, that's another. If, if you don't, then, you know, you have freedom to, to do a little bit more. It's just, it's just honest in, in the way things are. But if you're at that point where you don't have a lot of things that, um, demand your attention, <laughs> I, I refrain from using holding you down. <laughs> you know, if you have a family, <laughs> you know, using negative talk around that because having a family is a beautiful thing. Um, but that demand your attention. It's, you know, are your ideas more important than your fears? And so if if you're at that crossroad and you have these huge ideas and, and uh, you know, you're going to make a way for them to work, a way to put time into those things on the side, you know, whether it's staying up later or waking up earlier or, you know, it, it really demands how serious you are about turning your ideas into um, into something that's fruitful for you. And, uh, and you know, you don't have to turn every idea into a business. You can, you can work on those ideas on the side just because you love them. You know, um, my, uh, my stepdad is a, is a good example of this. You know, he stole, he sold, uh, real estate back in the eighties. Um, you know, I believe it was seventies or eighties. Uh, but, on the side, he was pursuing art. You know, he's an artist. He still is an artist now. He's in his seventies now, but, um, you know, he, he still paints every day because he loves it. And, uh, you know, he sells some paintings here and there. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he pursued it throughout because he loved, he loves to paint. And so, um, you know, he, he has made a good income off of painting, um, but he turned it into that. And it, he didn't always make a good, he makes a good income now, uh, from painting. But again, he's in his seventies and he didn't always have that. So it's, um, you know, what brings you fulfillment? What brings you joy? It's important to remember to have fun in life. Cause if I'm honest, a lot of my early twenties was putting my head down and work. And uh, I missed out on a lot of opportunities to influence other people during that time in my life to, to build relationships because all I did was work. And the popular motto right now is to put your head down and work. And if you just put your head down and work all the time, you're going to miss out on a lot of beautiful opportunities 
to impact people along the way. And so it's a balance. It's definitely a balance. I want to loop back to something. You said that there's a process. Yep. You said there's a process. Um, you said there's a bravery process. Mm-hmm. Can you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. You know, that's kind of the heart of the book. So um, that took me, you know, it took me six months to come up with the idea. But when I say three years of research and writing to come up with the book, that research was a lot of conversations, you know, with um, with uh, coaching and consulting people, uh, those conversations there and just different um, entrepreneurs along the way, artists, um, people who work on a team. Not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur, and that is perfect. Again, that goes back to why it's so important to, to know yourself. But um, the it it starts out the the bravery process starts out with complacency, but it can flip between the second step, which is inspiration, because it's different for everybody. For me and many people that I talk to, it starts out with complacency. That's that's the idea that I landed on. That it starts with complacency because more people than not have been complacent for many years. If I'm honest. You know, the, with, you know, we talked about me being with Chick-fil-A for 10 years. A lot of that time with them was me hiding. And so, uh, I was complacent for a really long time. And so, um, because in my heart, I knew I wanted to do my own thing, but I kept making excuses as to why I couldn't. And so, you know, I pursued writing on the side of that. I did. Um, but I wasn't building a business off of it. And so that's just my personal opinion. You know, if you if you want to, uh, again, if you want to work for a team, not go out on your own, that's fine too. But you still need bravery. Um, so complacency is how it starts out. And then inspiration or an idea comes to you. And so that could be, that could come in many forms. You know, it could be huge ideas. It could be smaller ideas, but the next initial step in this process is going to always be fear. You come up with this idea and you tell yourself all the reasons you can't instead of all the reasons you can. Um, that's just the way our mindsets work. We're programmed to see the negative in things before we see the positive. People that have a positive mindset have, have worked against that grain. And have trained themselves to see positive. All right. So um, there's I don't have the research handy and and what you know I, to point people to that, but um, we're we're flawed beings, human beings, and so um, that's why leadership is so intentional. You know, you're not just coming out, born, and grow up and become a great leader. Leaders listening, you know. That uh, reading books and gaining knowledge from other people, having conversations, living life full of trial and error um, is a huge part of, of learning where you stand in life and, uh, and knowing what your, uh, your certain core values, beliefs are. Um, you know, if, if, and if you don't have faith, it's, um, you know, it's a little bit different for you. Uh, but after the inspiration or idea and fear, 
An important statistic on fear, by the way, I want to throw a stat in here. University of Cincinnati uh, identified that 85% of things that people fear about never even happen. Listeners, that I mean, 85%. So only 15% of the things that we fear are going to happen. That's going to cut out, uh, you know, a lot of unnecessary fears. And so um, 90% and then 90% of those things um, are, are minuscule, uh, you know, don't even really matter. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, there are some valid fears, <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong. Um, you've been diagnosed with cancer. Um, fear is going to come, you know, you know, that to tell you not to fear is, is ruling out people's emotions. And so this book is going back to me, not thinking that people can be fearless. Life happens. You know, you lose money, a huge amount of money in business. You, um, you, again, you get diagnosed with cancer. You, um, you know, you, um, have a loved one pass away. Um, you don't get the job promotion that you feel you deserved and don't know what to do next um, because you were counting on that, you know. Um, there's so many fears that come that uh, that I believe are valid. Uh, and to tell you not to fear it would be um, not, a, not a very responsible thing for me. I, I've tried with the book to make it as honest as possible. Um, but then the only thing that gets people from fear to bravery, I identified in these conversations of talking to people over the, over the past three years and even beyond that, you know, I use conversations that I had four or five years ago as well. But just listening to people, I was brave because I was passionate about what I was doing. Let me give you an example. So a chef. You know, uh, a chef has, uh, has this idea of, of starting his own restaurant. Okay. Restaurant industry is really tough. Um, I don't have that statistic either, but very few restaurants that are open survive after either two or three years was the, was the research behind that. And then even later on, you identify these chefs that are 20 years into running their business on the other spectrum and they've lost their passion. So they close, you know, they, they sell their business or they close. But those, those people that are thriving, that those people that make it, um, that have a great business, um, for a lifetime are those people who say, I was passionate about this. So I started this and it's thriving. And the chef is just one example. Um, a big example, Jeff Bezos with Amazon. You know, he worked for a financial company before Amazon. But he co- created this computer program while working for D.E. Shaw, it was. And, um, it, and he, you know, he didn't have the backing from other people because the Internet wasn't around yet. So he didn't have people's backing. He didn't have people's support. Um uh, so he left to start his, you know, work for another company who would support him in his endeavors and eventually created this computer program that we see Amazon is today. 
And so you might say, oh, that's Jeff Bezos. He's the creator of, of Amazon. But, you know, with every leader's life, you go back to their childhood. They were a child just like you and me. They were a teenager just like you and me. They were a 20-something just like you and me. They were 30-something just like you and me. And you follow their life and, you know, that people so much focus on who people are now without looking back 20, 30 years, 40 years prior and seeing who that person was. And so I think it's important to follow the whole journey of people because it makes people realize, hey, this person was just like you and me. And they started with an idea. You know, they started with inspiration. And yeah, they encountered fears, but they had enough passion that the key there that brings you from fear to bravery is passion. And so um, to find bravery with their idea. And so that's that's the five stages. Complacency, inspiration or an idea, uh, fear, then passion, then bravery. It's funny to me because as I'm, as I'm listening to you talk about this five-step process, it's almost the exact same steps I went through when I began my blog and then when I began this podcast. Yeah. You know, I, I was completely I mean, yep. You know, I didn't really want to do much. I was just like, eh, you know. Then I you know, heard, heard about blogging. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Only I was like, nobody's going to read it. And who am I for anybody to listen to me? Right. So I, I think we all had those fears in the beginning. There, there was a fear, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it became, you know what? I'm passionate about this. I do know some things. I've been, you know, leading a youth group for, I think at that time it was five or 10 years. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm passionate about this. Why don't I step up and do it? And then mm-hmm. I became brave. So yeah. I can see your, pro- the, the, how the five step process works. Right. And, and you know, the, the thing is, people have probably thought about it. You know, nobody's out there listening is going, Oh, passion. I've never heard that word before. Right. It's a, it's a huge buzzword. Follow your passion. And I wrestled with using passion because it's used so much. And I didn't want people to just throw away the idea or concept and say, Oh, I've heard this before. But going back to using principles that work, passion is a principle that works and it's here to stay. And so I ended up on that word and turned it into a process. And people have probably followed it, you know, like like yourself included, saying, you know, but nobody ever put it into an actual process and tested it against, you know, it, it's about 300 people of a, uh, you know, of a of a case study of a of a research group um, that I pulled these conversations and, and things from. And so, um, you know, it, it's not just one or two people. It's it's uh, it's a tested uh, it's a tested process. The you know in the beginning of explaining that process too, I said it could flip between um, complacency and inspiration. And uh, these are for those listeners who feel like they've made it out there who, who are listening. And uh, you know they're they feel comfortable, and they're not necessarily being complacent, but maybe they have another idea that has come to them in this in this time of of uh, you know, uh, maybe they feel like they're thriving, but it's an idea and they feel like, you know, it's tugging at them a little. They they can't they can't stop thinking about it. You know, for me, that's that's why I wrote the book. The idea came and and, um, you know, because I knew I knew the I knew that writing a book was a lot of work. I didn't realize it was as much work as it is. But, I, you know, 
to get people, you know, to relate to listeners out there. I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old at home. You know, finding the time to write is not easy. And so uh, knowing the work that was going to put in, knowing the things that, to knowing that I'd have to get isolated to write, my least favorite part of the process, um, because ideas go around in your head and self-defeating ideas. And I talk about that in the book, too, that, you know, you sit down alone a lot and you... (laughs) And you guard yourself, you guard your schedule, and you and you um, you take things out of your schedule to make time to write. And you don't see as many people. Um, I wish I, I was the writer that could say I always enjoy writing, but I don't because of that. <laughs> you know, I hate being alone, um, and it's really tough for me. And um, but this book was necessary. I knew because it was tugging at me. So, you know, if, the, if you're a listener out there that says, you know, I feel pretty happy where I'm at, but I'm having this idea and it's tugging at me and I don't know what to do with it, how much time to devote to it. And you're being complacent with it. That's why it can flip. Maybe people have an idea and, and they're complacent. People have an idea and they're complacent because of fear. But then once you grab hold of passion, you'll you'll head towards bravery. So those are the those are the two ways. But the more people I talked to, it was that they had been complacent for so long. So that's why I decided to put complacency first in the process. But those did flip flop um, when developing the process. I get that. And just got a couple more questions for you. Yep. Yep. What do you wish you would have known about bravery in your early twenties? Um. That. Um, that it's okay. Let me start this with, I don't believe in failing. I believe failure is a lesson to find success in the future. So I don't, I don't do, I don't actually like the word failure. Um, but that it's okay to make mistakes while you're searching for your idea of success. Um, because the what like ed, the education system, the way it sets you up is you know, make A's, right? Make A's. Your success if you make A's. If you make D's and F's, um, you are a failure. And that all we are, um, you know, we're taught that from kindergarten. Well first grade on, right? So you, you're in your early 20s and you're in your whole lifetime up to your early 20s. You've been taught that if you don't make a perfect, you know, you're less than ideal. And so to flip this mindset in your early 20s, unless you're, unless you're told that is almost, uh, it's almost impossible because for 20 years you've been taught that. And so my message to people in their early 20s, if they're listening to this, is go make a mistake on, on purpose. You know, if you if you need to um, get yourself used to that, because it would uh, to be OK with making mistakes, talking about doubt, it would eliminate a lot of that self-defeating doubt. It would it would eliminate a lot of that pressure to be perfect. Perfection. Perfectionism, I would say, is a disease. 
you know, it, it'll, it'll plague your work if you allow it to. Um, you know, with you being a blogger, um, me being a, uh, you know, with a blogger as well, with business, um, with writing a book, you know, if it was up to me, I would have never, um, I would have never been finished with this book because it, it's not, I mean, I still read it in its final version and it's not perfect. And so this, but this idea of perfect needs to be squashed, you know? Um, and the reason is the other part of that too is never let age be a fear of yours that you can't contribute to the world that you're looked down upon in your early twenties. Cause you know, if any time compounds, you start in your early twenties. Can you imagine how much further along you're going to be than people, you know, in your, in your thirties, you, you have a heads up on everybody. Stop looking at, at it as a, uh, as a, as an imperfection or a, or that it's something against you. You know, if, if you feel like people in the thirties and forties and fifties look down upon you, can you you have 30 more years, you know, if you expect the same lifetime as this person, 30 more years than someone in your fifties to do great stuff. My goodness, you can do a lot and you have technology, you know, your whole lifetime that people didn't have growing up. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous of, of people that are, are 12, 14, 15 now. Um, you know, that's, that's a message people need to hear because, you know, people either feel too young or, or too old to contribute something worthwhile. And, you know, your thirties, early forties are the only years that you have to contribute something worthwhile because you're worried about retirement at the end and having enough money to live on the rest of your life. If you want to retire, I don't ever plan on retiring. Um, cause I love what I do. I love work. And then in your, in your, you know, in your early twenties, teens, you're worried about getting the right, the perfect job and, and basing your whole life on that thing. And again, going back to life is trial and error. You're going to have more than one job. I can guarantee it. Um, uh, unless you're like one in a million, you know, that, uh, that only have one job in your lifetime, um, and love it and, and do that. But those are, those are the fears early early 20s that I, I think a lot of early 20s deal with and being in your early 20s and, and learning who you are and knowing yourself and doing what you were meant to do and, and defining that in your early 20s is so important because you can get a jump on everybody else. You can contribute. You can use your lifespan. You can use more time. Time compounds on top of, you know, more time. You have more time. And you're putting the same type of devotion that a 30 something is to it. You're going to make a bigger impact in the world because you have more time. You know, I'm worried about time and relationships more than I am money, right? Because that's my leadership view. Um, I charge less for consulting and coaching than anybody else because, um, I won't say than anybody else, but people in my, you know, if I would say my peers, because I want to influence more people, not make more money. And so there's a, there, it's a shift. You know, you got to decide, you know, if, if you want the Lamborghini and mansions, you got to decide that, hey, um, I'm going to have to make a lot of money to do this. And so it is business you need to go into. But if, 
you know, I'm, I'm a belief. I'm of the belief that people can lead either in work or life. Going back to my definition of leadership, going first so other people can follow. You can do that right where you're at. You don't need, you don't need to be the CEO of a company to be, um, you know, the leader, um, your ideal leader that you've always, um, always strive toward. Uh, you know, that you think you need to get to someday. Someday is a terrible word because that leaves you out of impacting people today. And there's people around you right now who need you. And so change your mindset to one like this in your early 20s. You're going to be one of the best leaders um, of your time if people will grab hold of that concept. That's some great advice. And I That's a lot. What's that? You know, and all my answers are long because I feel I want to I want listeners to make sure that they're getting the whole part of it. Because if I just say one, the reason behind why I think is more important than my one sentence answer. And so, it, you know, all of it together, I feel is important. So I feel like I have to explain it. Um, and I'm passionate about the subject, you know, so um, that's that's why all my answers are long. But uh you know, I want I want to help people bring as much value as I can. And no, I appreciate that because you know, a lot of these questions, if you only go one sentence or two sentences deep, you don't get the answer people need. So I'm really yeah. appreciative of, of, of the deep answers you have given to the listeners today. Sure. And I know I've gotten a lot out of this conversation, and I know my listeners will. If they did and wanted to connect with you online, how would they do that? Um, asmithblog.com is, is my home base, um, asmithblog on all social media channels. But to find out more about the book, um, go to bravestyou.com. That's the easiest way to tell you. Bravest You. So the book title without the the, B-R-A-V-E-S-T-Y-O-U.com. Um, and that's where you find out pretty much every retailer is going to carry the book. Um, but right now, so bravestyou.com will have all the details on where you can get the book, or you can just go to Amazon and type in the bravest you, um, and order it there. I hope it changes your life. I, I think it will. I worked long and hard on it to make sure that there, um, that there's value there and, uh, reach out to me at adam at asmithblog.com. Once you read the book, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are and, uh, and what you're up to. Well, Adam, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. There's a lot to take in on episode 39 of the Answers from Leadership podcast. Adam delivered big time as he shared the five-step process to bravery. Looking back over the years, I see how this process was working in my life. From starting a blog to creating a podcast and to the process of writing real leadership. Each step was a part of the process to creating the new work. Do you see the process working in your life? Let me know by sending me an email at joe at jmwalone.com. If you'd like the show notes for today's episode, easily shareable quotes, or a link to Adam's book, The Bravest You, go to jmwalone.com slash 039. I'll have everything linked up for you. Until next time, continue to lead well.